The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. On October 22nd, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the CASE Act of 2019, a law that would create a federal voluntary small claims court option for copyright disputes as an alternative to having a copyright suit take place in a standard federal court. After receiving overwhelming support in the House, the bill is now on its way to the U.S. Senate and could potentially be signed by the president, which would mark a significant shift in American copyright law. Here to talk to us about the law and its potential effect on musicians is Dr. Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association and former longtime head of indie record label Kill Rock Stars. You can find out more about her work by checking out her podcast, The Future of What?, by visiting www.thefutureofwhatshow.com. Dr. Sabin, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure. I'm so happy to be talking to you. The last time we had you on the show was January 2017, and that's my fault. It should not take a potential massive shift in copyright law for me to have a conversation with you. So my apologies, but I'm glad to have you here. So let's get right into it, because this uh, this case act has been a huge topic among in the, in the music business community. Every outlet's covering it from Billboard to Hypebot, everything in between. And I'm, and it was it, Interesting to see the Music Business Association take a strong position in favor of this law, uh, really you know, taking a strong feeling about how they think it's going to benefit indie artists. And so I would love first to have you just sort of educate the listeners about what the CASE Act is and what, it's going to, what you feel it's going to do for artists. Well, I, and this is, you know, you're going to get my opinion. At, it, the best, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not a lawyer, nor was I involved in any way with, you know, the creation of the CASE Act. But... Uh, my understanding of how it works is that um, the Copyright Office, the U.S. Copyright Office, had done a study uh, and written up a paper, and a lot of the recommendations of that paper were actually drawn upon in creating the CASE Act, which is kind of cool, because that's like a little piece of how government works that I didn't really know about before I got involved with uh, learning about the CASE Act. Um, the CASE Act would create a small claims court for infringement cases under $30,000. So in other words, if you're suing someone for using your copyrighted material uh, without permission, but you're seeking damages in the amount less than $30,000, this would be this new uh, small claims court that's created to uh, adjudicate those um, claims. And the thing that's really cool about this is that it turns out, which I didn't know, and I think a lot of people didn't know, that to bring an infringement case to uh, a lawsuit um, costs upwards of $200,000. I think that was the, the number that was, I don't know the exact figure, but that's in the U.S. Copyright Office report. Um, and, you know, the vast majority of people can't afford that. There's just no way. Um, you could possibly do that. And and so most people and artists, you know, musicians and artists are only one group of people that this protects, but photographers, writers, a whole host of other types of artistic, uh, you know, people involved in artistic and creative pursuits, you know, copyrighted, who create copyrighted bold material, 
are eligible, would be eligible to use this small claims court. And I think, you know, the best way you can, I think the best illustration of this is, let's say, you're an artist, you're a musician, and you discover that a piece of your music is being used in some kind of, let's say, commercial, internet commercial or something. Well, you can sue that entity for using that for, you know, a small amount of money, let's say $20,000. And let's say you're an artist who makes $50,000 a year. Well, that's a huge amount of, that would be a huge benefit to you. Also, if you consider that that usage should have been licensed for $20,000 and wasn't, and this person is making $50,000 a year, you can also see how that's a huge chunk out of their annual income. So it, it's, it, ha, it stands, the, the creation of the small claims court stands to really benefit a lot of people, not to, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but the, to the tune of, you know, you know, single thousands and tens of thousands of dollars, which honestly uh, is very useful to a lot of people. Yeah, the small claims element of this is particularly interesting. And it's even bigger than just a mere small claims suit, because when I think small claims court as a lawyer, I think of a courthouse that I go to on behalf of a client or a client goes to without a lawyer. This is even more uh, informal than that in the sense that this law even contemplates virtual options where you know you the uh, the two litigants could just be at their computers on different sides of the country so you're cutting down on travel costs and a lot of the legal expenses that can make bringing a copyright suit so difficult and so i guess the idea is for indie artists by by lowering the bar to allow somebody to get into court and and and, and fight for their rights and to make it less expensive you now put smaller time musicians in a better position to protect their property absolutely and the thing is, you know, it, I think it applies to more than just indie artists. I think it applies to anyone who has, who finds an infringement. I mean, even if you're a larger artist and you might have deeper pockets, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person who infringed on your content is a massive corporation that also has deep pockets, you know? So this is something that, um, you know, because a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people infringe on purpose, but a lot of people infringe because they don't understand that they're infringing. Um, so, you know, this, this is something I think your, your point is really good that you're saving money as well because you're not having to fly somewhere to actually have this out in a court situation. But there's this virtual court component, which is, I think, really helpful. It's nice to see copyright law, this 18th century law, finally start to tiptoe a little bit into the 21st century. That's always a nice element. So I do want to talk about the other side of this, because there are a lot of organizations that are strongly in support of the CASE Act, uh, including, of course, uh, your organization. But there are um, a lot of organizations on the other side that... uh, sort of talk about their fears about the law. Most, most, uh, probably the largest organization that we're seeing against the law would be the Electronic Fear Foundation, uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, who, that are speaking a bit, that, that are, have a lot of concerns about the potential for copyright trolls. The idea that if you make it easier to bring a copyright suit as this law would, it's going to open the door for a lot of, uh, frivolous cases, a lot of just, uh, you know, litigation threats, a lot of trolling where, um, you know, if it's easier to bring suits, it could be easier to bring suits that are going to be burdensome on uh, people that ultimately aren't doing anything wrong. Uh, Is that a concern that your organization has? Well, you know, we're always concerned with uh, fairness and everybody getting a a fair shake and, and certainly with 
you know, the creation of new laws and not having people abuse those new laws and regulations and rules. I mean, obviously. But I also think that this is one of those situations where the potential for good outweighs the potential for abuse. I think there's the potential for abuse in every system. Um, I'm certain that, you know, in the current system of litigation, there are ways that people can abuse it. I mean, certainly there are lawsuits right now, big lawsuits that I that certain people would consider frivolous. Um, and, you know, and maybe even more so, because if you're if you're talking really high dollars, uh, maybe that even is more of an incentive for someone to bring a frivolous lawsuit if they think they can get a lot of money out of it. I think the, like I said, I think the potential for good really outweighs the, the potential for harm in that um, there are so many situations, like I mentioned, where I think infringement takes place either on purpose or without really understanding that things, that that what you're doing constitutes infringement. And I think, you know, the rise of the internet age has really exacerbated that. So I think this case act is timely in that we now have, because we now have a medium where it's way easier to infringe on other people's copyright without understanding that that's what you're actually doing. So, you know, yes, of course, there's the potential for abuse, but I also think there's the potential for so many people to benefit, so many artists to benefit, and for the system to be reformed by the bringing of these small claims suits so that everyone in the whole ecosystem understands better, you know, what is allowed and what is not, what is fair use and what is copyright infringement. That is absolutely an interesting perspective. And I will say that, I mean, I will give credit to the people who wrote this bill that they did seem to incorporate a lot of the concerns that people had when this bill was previously introduced about, you know, putting protections in there to sort of mitigate the effect of copyright trolls. You now have this as a voluntary uh, option, so it's not like you can't be forced into this small claims court. Both sides have to agree to it. You have all of these pieces about, uh, uh, you know, the board's punishing people who do use this frivolously as a way to copyright troll. It's not clear what, wh- how the, how that's going to be enforced, but at least it is something they're addressing. Uh, I'd love to get your perspective as the head of the Music Business Association, just more generally about copyright law. I know that this is something you're passionate about. You've spoken a lot about, for example, the Music Modernization Act, and I just love to get your perspective on what I'm noticing is a pretty interesting phenomenon. Where if you go back to 1998 when the DMCA was passed. We sort of had this like 20-year stretch where there wasn't a lot of copyright law getting made. There, there were a lot of bills being proposed, but for the most part, there wasn't a lot of game-changing copyright law. And then in the last year, boom, Music Modernization Act, completely uh, changing music copyright law. And now the potential passage of the Case Act, which it looks like it's in very strong shape to potentially pass. I mean, you, you must see this as a welcome development that Congress is really starting to put copyright law on the front burner as this world becomes more digital and we do have more of a need to protect creators' rights. Absolutely. I think that that is the way that it's always been uh, throughout history is, you know, we make technological advances and then we catch up legally. Oh, yeah. You know, we figure out uh, down the road, sometimes 20 years down the road, how to regulate the wild west that has arisen from, uh, you know, the introduction of new technology. And I always say that the music industry is a patchwork of historical accidents, <laughs> which I think is really, really true. Um, and, and that's, you know, and, and one reason why the music industry is so difficult for people to understand 
even people inside the music industry who've been in it for years is because of that. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it's so much reliant on new technologies springing up and then law catching up with those technologies and trying to regulate the uh, ecosystems that have sprung up because of the new technology. And I think that's one of the things that makes everything so vibrant, right? I think it's a very exciting time. You know, you, you, you're pointing out that yes, right now we're, we're having some success in the, in the copyright realm, but honestly, we're also seeing hand in hand, I think, an explosion of tech that truly addresses the problems that the music industry faces, which is also new because I think the first part of that 20, the last 20 years when we were all sort of, you know, in the new digital wild west, you know, a ton of ideas, a ton of tech ideas came up that really just didn't solve our issues. You know, they, it, they were like fun ideas. They were good ideas. They were ideas that got funded, but they didn't go anywhere. And, and now we have a mature digital ecosystem. And I think with the maturity of the digital ecosystem, we have, you know, great tech that's solving real problems. And along with that, hand in hand, now we have some copyright legislation that can protect people. So I think it's really, it's just a, a it's a very nice time for the industry, I think. Very positive time. Certainly gives us podcasters plenty to talk about. And <laughs> listeners, if you are digging what Dr. Sabin's talking about, the how you know music and futurism and how the law is catching up and how technology is catching up, you can get all of that by checking out our guest's podcast, The Future of What, at www.thefutureofwhatshow.com, hosted by our guest, Portia Sabin. This has been so, so awesome. Thank you for giving us your perspective on the CASE Act. Before we let you go, I know we've been talking a lot of legal stuff and congressional stuff and copyright stuff, but I got an expert here and I'd be remiss if I don't get one tip from you. Do you have any last tips, Portia, for the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Well, I do. And it's the same one I always give on my podcast and on panels. And anytime anyone meets me in person, the first thing I will always say to an artist is, you must realize that you are your own small business and you must treat your career accordingly. You know, you are the proprietor of a small business. You need to understand the laws. You need to understand, you know, what you, how to be legally protected. You need to understand how to incorporate yourself or how to, how, how your tax designation needs to be in, in, you know, to, to reflect what you do properly, you know, and if you are, uh, as you get bigger as an artist, you, you bring a team on board and that can involve a record label. You know, everyone always says to me, people don't need labels anymore. And I say, <clears throat> pardon me, it's not that they don't need labels. It's that they, you know, maybe they don't need a label per se, but they certainly need people to do their business. So they need a team in place that's going to conduct the business of this person's music. So, you know, think of yourself as a small business and act accordingly. Dr. Portia Sabin, everybody. Check out her podcast, thefutureofwhatshow.com. Thank you so much for being on this week. Thanks so much for having me. It was so much fun. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast.